Hello and welcome. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Thanks so much for listening. Our guest this week is Rhonda Kogel of Highland Point Incorporated. In just a moment, she's going to be with us and tell us all about what she is up to. This is an extra special interview for me. Um, We don't always get to talk to folks here locally in Butte, Montana, but that is where Rhonda is operating her business in just a moment. She's going to give us some some highlights and and pointers about her enterprise. I'm very excited about this interview. And I'd also like to remind you that you can email us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. You can find us on social media and on the KBMF 102. Point five website. This is Heartstock. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Daniel Hogan is in the studio. We'll be right back with Rhonda. This is Heartstock Radio. I am your host. Carol Murphy. Today our guest is Rhonda Kogel of Highland Point Incorporated. Hi, Rhonda. Hello. (laughs) How are you? And uh, what strange weather we're having here in Montana, huh? Oh boy, it's it is. It's not your usual November or December, is it? No, this is like springtime weather, and I'm a little bit worried if we don't get some snow accumulation, but Everybody all over the planet is experiencing some really strange things, including the weather these days. So our new, whatever we want to call it, normal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm very worried about it as well. But we're, we're hopeful that there'll be some rain and snow in our immediate future, right? Indeedy. So what is Highland Point Incorporated? So Highland Point um, is a an accredited testing lab, and we specialize in testing composite materials for the aerospace, automotive, and sporting goods industry. And in short, we get paid to break things. So it's a fantastic job and a a great lab for us to work in and operate. And we've started it Back in, um, my daughter, Olivia, actually started the business back in 2015 when she was an engineering student at Montana Tech. And she's since gotten her um, environmental engineering degree. And our lab is um, located out at the Red Mountain Research Facility here in Butte. And we... um, We've just set it up and we we do testing on a daily basis for companies all over the country and the world. And I'm very curious because I happen to know that your background is in, in nursing or medicine. Is that right? That was one element that came up. I, was, I like to say that, um, like a lot of women, we, we make lemonade continually from the lemons that appear in our roadway. So uh, years ago, I... Um, between my third and fourth year of college, my husband graduated. He's a year older than me. And he, we went to Salt Lake City for to start his career. And I um, picked up a medical assisting degree um, at a Votech uh, and worked in uh, medicine then for 
uh, several years until we went back to Wyoming, which is where we had originated. And that's where I finished my degree. So like a lot of women, we we get to uh, diversify our degree, our um, livelihoods while we're waiting for our families to come along. <laughs> and how did that evolve into materials testing? So my first degree is in animal science and on the surface that seems quite uh, far away from material science but the lab that I first worked in was actually a molecular biology lab and in that lab we were studying the um, not only the genome but the effects of spider silk to be used as a building material. And ironically, uh, about a year and a half later, I moved over to the engineering department and we tested that same spider silk. (laughs) And my career in uh, material science was born. And at that point, the university wanted to try sort of an experiment to see if they could spin off the commercial part of testing, which a lot of universities get asked to do outside testing. They wanted that to be organized in its own fashion and to keep the research in-house. So that was our first entrepreneurial effort. And my husband and I started and ran a test lab for um, materials within the university. We paid rent to the university and um, did the testing of anything that was commercially um, viable. And we did that for four years. So that was, we, we thought we were in a really safe environment and we were in a no man's land, it turned out. <laughs> so entrepreneurially, we we were thrilled. It was the most exciting time and we learned so much. But um, after the, after a four year the university said, you know, we think we'll roll that back in. And if you want to come along with it, we'd love to have you. So we then rolled back into the university and stayed at our same desks with our same phone number, but then became university employees and ran. And that's where I um, ran that lab for another 13 years or so. And then you moved to Montana and started at Montana yes. Tech? Yep. So we moved to Montana in 2002 because our professor that we worked for at the time in, in Wyoming was retiring and it was just a, an opportune time for us to move to our beloved Montana. Both Scott and I have for our entire lives, Montana was kind of the the pinnacle and I was raised in South Dakota. He was raised in Northern Wyoming. So he knew Montana very well and I knew it quite well. And we had tried many times to move here. So we made the the push to get here and the town that welcomed us was Butte and we moved here. And initially I didn't get a job again, <laughs> the, uh, taking care of family. And I ended up homeschooling my kids, which sometimes on the surface seems like that's not a job, but it, I can tell you homeschooling is the hardest job I've ever had, the most challenging with the highest stakes and the most rewarding. So I, I was thrilled to do that, terrified as well, but I, I like to say it was a great success. My daughters are tremendously successful and um, of course I'm, I'm working with one now, so that's, that, that's fantastic. But yeah, I it, I started at Montana Tech then um, seven years after we got here uh, and uh, started there in 2009. 
and went back to what I thought I would maybe never have the opportunity to do again, which was materials testing. So we, I set up a test lab there and ran it for and supported the research for the university as well as um, supported, uh, provided service to outside um, companies that might need some assistance. And it was at that time that I was able to start doing some entrepreneurial assistance. And in fact, that's how we met, right? And that was, uh, and that was really one of my most favorite parts of the job at uh, Montana Tech was doing entrepreneurial support uh, from helping uh, student entrepreneurs. We had an entrepreneur club. I love listening to new inventors and entrepreneurs who have a, a great idea and are ready to push it forward. And, and I mean, the most terrifying day of an entrepreneur's life, in my opinion, is telling your story to someone and hoping that they don't laugh in your face, right? And that they support. And so being able to be that sort of person as well as um, being peripherally on their team was so satisfying, so exciting. And it rekindled my entrepreneur flame. And that I, I'm really um, excited that, that that happened. And as well, it kicked off my daughter's entrepreneurial ideas. And like I said, she, uh, while she was a student, she started this company and quickly won uh, an SBIR. If anyone's familiar with that, those are Small Business Innovative Research Grants. And she won that. And as that uh, project came to a conclusion, it was pretty obvious that we her and I would really like to move the company forward and uh, I couldn't do that while working full-time at tech. So it was just a really good opportunity to step out from there and to, to start doing things on our own. And so that's, that's how we um, started the business. And um, the name came from when we first moved here, um, out at our farm, we can see the highlands from any point. I mean, how simple is that? It's a little embarrassing, but it's also heartfelt. So that's what our, our name implies. And it also didn't identify anything that we were going to do. So we thought, well, you know, that kind of keeps it generic and we can we can do anything with that name. So um, while Highland Point is very unique in the industry, um, it's uh, very close to our hearts as a family, and our business is well known in, inside the family as that. But anyway, the that's how we got started, and that's where um, you know we're we're still keenly aware of our entrepreneurial pursuits and maybe the responsibility that we have as a woman-owned business and um, we try to promote that as much as we can. I think it's important that we talk about homeschooling just because it's so uh-huh. timely <laughs> with all of it is that's been happening globally here. Can you imagine doing what you're doing now and homeschooling your children simultaneously like all the women oh. out there seem to be struggling to do yeah. these days. Yeah. Well, I, you know, as women, I think we, we know that we can do a lot and we maybe overcommit and, and taking care of our children and providing their educational experience is, is paramount and trying to figure out how that 
that blends with your family, with your income, with your job and your career plans. And I, I, I doubt there are very many women who are feel jilted that their career plans would take second to their children. So I think women um, embrace homeschooling and it, it often falls just because of our, our societal makeup right now. It's easier for men to stay in the field and it's women. We still have challenges staying in because we've already had an, an absence from having kids and and taking that time off. So we're continually catching up. And so it tends to fall to, to mothers because the job is the, even the wage level, right? That's the one that we could do without. We can't do without the, the main um, uh, salary maker. But the I think that homeschooling is so fantastic for parents to do, even if you only do it temporarily, which, you know, the pandemic has put a lot of parents in that position. I do think you can run your own business and homeschool uh, much harder with very little children. Um, I had it easy at a third grader and a eighth grader. So uh, they, they were well schooled already in how education works. So I, I, I think starting a kindergartner would be a, the ultimate challenge, and I, I wasn't up to that. But I do think that women become entrepreneurs when they become homeschool teachers, and you can push that out the door any way you want to have your career as a remote career, make money the way, whatever way you need to, because homeschooling is very expensive. That's the thing that we don't know when going into it is how costly it is. <laughs> and so trying to figure to bridge that is really a challenge. But the rewards are are, you know, there are no limits to the rewards of teaching your own kids. And it, the one thing I, I had suspected that every um, everything you do is a learning moment. I did not know that that well until I homeschooled. And then I went, oh, education is everywhere all the time. And that was very freeing. It, it also gave me the confidence to think, you know, I can turn, we're going to the grocery store. That's a, that's a homeschool event. <laughs> and it also serves a purpose. So um, innovative people can definitely, well, I think that's the entrepreneurial part of being a homeschool parent is that every everything can be turned into an experience. Yes. So we're going to take our midway point break. And in just a moment, we will be right back with Rhonda. This is Heartstock. I'm Carol Murphy, your host. This is Heartstock Radio, and today our guest is Rhonda Kogel, and she's been sharing with us her experiences as an entrepreneur with her daughter, Olivia, and 
We were just talking about homeschooling and, you know, I want to delve more deeply into the materials testing and the kind of the nuts and bolts of what you've achieved so far. But I got to say, Rhonda, you know, there are women out there who are listening and, you know, you mentioned that, you know, women are traditionally not the breadwinners and... (laughs) If you're in that situation and you're and you're listening, this is almost 2022, and we know that you know women's careers take all kinds of different shapes and sizes. And you know, if you're one of those women out there who is the primary breadwinner in your family, we'd love to hear from you. Give me a call, and we'll talk, and we'll share your story. <laughs> but at any rate, let's talk about uh, what kind of materials are you testing, and some of your success stories, Rhonda. So our composite materials are made up of two parts. They're carbon or fiberglass uh, fabric or fibers, and those are held together by a plastic. So they're pretty simple. They were innovative back in the 1940s, and we've since pushed those forward, and they're an alternative to traditional building materials like steel and aluminum and titanium. So anytime you fly on an airplane, you're flying on something that's got a lot of carbon and plastic (laughs) that is highly engineered and, and can be Um, created so that it has a very specific response to a very specific load. So the wing of your airplane is oftentimes uh, carbon and it can hold, uh, it's very lightweight and it can perform better than our traditional materials. Now they're oftentimes a little more expensive. And so there's, there's a whole conversion that's been going on for the last 30 years, moving from uh, metals to composites. And in doing so, um, the developers of these new materials need to know what they can do. And so they need to know how strong they are. They need to know how stretchy they are, things like that. And so that's what our lab provides. So uh, clients from Boeing to Lockheed to um, the myriad of composite companies down in Salt Lake City and in Seattle will send us their a panel, a flat panel of their material. We cut it up into very specific sizes that are um, governed by standards, the ASTM standards, that tell us how to test these materials to get the right tensile strength or compressive strength or uh, combined strengths if in flexure. So, you know, the, the behavior of a, uh, a wing or a floor when people step on it. And we, so it, it's great. We, we break everything. Um, in fact, last night I broke things that I shouldn't have broke, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that's part of the fun. And that's also um, part of what we we do on a daily basis and we're we're an accredited lab which means that we've followed we have a quality management system in place that guarantees to our customers that we follow the standards and that we protect their data and that we can find their data years later too which happens all the time and that accreditation gives us a, a foot in the door for uh, as a third party test facility that um, a lot of the companies have to have now if they want to get FAA certification or any kind of uh, infrastructure certification. So we, we provide a link between the 
research and development lab of any company and the commercialization of that. And I know for a while you were doing some work with really innovative things like hempcrete and whatnot. Is Mm -hmm. that still something that you're working on? We we don't do too much. We um, kind of have our toe in the water watching what hemp is doing, and we support some different research um, with associates, but the our lab specifically is not doing any um, hemp development at this time, but we, we're kind of waiting for the whole industry to mature a little bit more, but we are watching it closely, and in fact, we do have a, a couple of proposals out out there that that would use hemp and other biomasses for some different applications. So yeah, we we definitely have an eye on green technology and uh, ways that we can be beneficial to the planet, not not to um, destroy it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of at the top of the list for most of us, I would say. <laughs> let's, uh-huh. let's not yep. destroy ourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how about COVID? Has that had an impact on your work and your business? Uh, it, initially, it did. Um, it, it didn't close our doors, thankfully. But what we need are engineers and developers in their own labs. So when everyone went home for two to five months, <laughs> that that really slowed down what we did. But we had a backlog. And uh, really, all of the PPP loans and those sorts of things, those just pushed us over the top and, and kept us going. But we didn't ever not have work, which was we were very fortunate and thankful for that. And um, and it, we came back pretty quickly at the end of or the middle of 2000 or 2020. We really kicked it back into gear again once um, people were able to figure out how to work and keep their workforce in in place. So, so yeah, we've done well. And I have to say that having our quality management system in place helped us work within COVID so that we knew how to stay safe ourselves and how to have people come and go from our facility. So it was, we were happy that unknowingly we had planned for it. (laughs) (laughs) And how about the future? What lays ahead? Any exciting projects coming up? Well, pretty much every project that comes in is is pivotal to our clients. So they're they're usually sending us materials to test because they're on the cutting edge of some new development. So there, I have to say that the composites world and specifically carbon composites is absolutely it, it's a a whirl of activity right now. There's so many cool things going on. And um, a lot of them I can't, I can't speak specifically about because yeah. of, we have NDAs for everything, yeah, but um, there, yeah, there, there's just so much good, good information coming out and it's going to benefit humanity from making our cars behave better, giving us uh more opportunities for infrastructure and improvements. So yeah, the, the the future is bright on the composite side for HPI itself. We are, we're busy doing that work. We're also pushing uh, out on our, um, with our entrepreneurial sparks are flying like crazy these days. And we have a couple different products that we're working on 
um, with some collaborative efforts here in town with different uh, small businesses. So we're excited about that and hoping to get a little bit of of small scale manufacturing going and that's that really has us excited so that's that's kind of where our 2022 is gonna look for us we're gonna try to get push some products out the door and we've probably got maybe about four minutes left and i'm glad you mentioned you know our local economy what kind of changes have you seen happening here you know butte as some folks know has been dealing with Superfund issues and and cleaning up mind waste and a lot of things kind of on the horizon coming up. Uh, Have you seen our local economy really being positively impacted and, you know, the the innovation that you're speaking of? What's what's coming up, in your opinion, for Butte? Well, I think... We've always felt that Butte is a a great epicenter for technology development, and we we love that there are so many innovators here in science. There's a lot of science and engineering, so finding a collaborator is really easy, and we can we can work with local colleagues and and new friends that we make who have special. Um, skills that that are going to be useful in in new product projects, and I think that Butte can continue. You know, out here we're at, out on the in the industrial park, and it's dynamic out here. We have so many businesses that are doing things. There's there's not many empty buildings. We're um, a lot is going on, and I think there's a lot of cross pollination, and I think. That that has to be at the center of the success that Butte can create for itself, is that we work together, and a, a lot of us don't know what services others provide, so knowing that would, I, I would say that might be a, a step forward for us to to know more about what we're doing. But a lot of times, us those of us in, with small businesses have our heads down and we're just working. So I would love to see a small business more interaction between all of us just so that, but, but that's hard to do because we're all just so busy, but Butte has a tremendous um, resource pool, I think for all kinds of development from uh, retail sorts of things to manufacturing. And you mentioned your daughter, Olivia, who you're in partnership with is, um, are there any other folks you'd like to mention? And um, we've got maybe about a minute and a half left, but um, also how, how folks might find you. Right. So our, we are truly a family business. Uh, not only my daughter, Olivia, of course, her and I are partners, but my husband, Scott, is our unpaid hero who <laughs> comes and goes <laughs> and helps us whenever we're, we need an extra hand. And then our older daughter, Jill, and her husband, Adam, they help us remotely from their home. And we also have um, extended family who are part of our team. So it's there's nothing better than that, that it's the the greatest outcome of, of having this business. And then to find out, uh, talk to us or see what else we do, you can go to our website, which is 
just um, www.highlandpoint, um, all one word, dot biz, B-I-Z. And you can see some YouTube videos of, of some of our tests and see what we do. And then you can contact us through the website. And we'd be happy to talk with you, anybody, about what we do or if you have questions about materials that you'd like to find out more about. Fantastic. And thank you so much for being on HeartStock. We've been working on this interview for a little while, and (laughs) I'm I'm so happy that we finally were able to get you on. And uh, just amazing what what you've accomplished. And I I admire your your gumption and your bravery. You're very, very admirable. Well, thanks, Carol. And it was great to talk with you today. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy, and as usual, we'll be talking with you next week. Peace. Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. Let's go.